It's a new day, and it's coming at you fast. With Comcast Business, you'll have what you need to take on every twist and turn, like the flexibility to control multiple Wi-Fi networks from anywhere, a cybersecurity solution to help protect all your connected devices, and the power of the nation's largest gig speed network, all supported by a dedicated team available 24-7. Every day in business is a big day. Comcast Business will keep you ready for what's next. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. We'll start in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm your host, Noah Strackbine, joined always by Donnie Droon. Donnie, we're inching closer to the NFL draft and yes, super exciting. What's equally as exciting but also maybe as frustrating is that Mike Tomlin has signed a three-year contract extension with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It seems that we were talking about before the show, all the players, super ecstatic. They're very excited to have Tomlin back. All the fans seem to absolutely hate the decision, but really they hate anything that happens with Mike Tomlin. What are your thoughts on it before we get into anything else? Uh, I, I, I feel like we should have seen this coming. I mean, we're talking about an organization who strives for consistency, uh, strives for stability on all ends. Um, you know, certainly whenever it comes to a head coach, I mean, we're talking about the same team who's had three head coaches in the span of what? Coming up on like 60 years, some crazy number to share that. Um, it's just a crazy run of consistency. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why they're one of the top organizations, um, historically speaking, in the NFL. And my comment really hasn't given you anything bad to kind of um, to throw against a wall in terms of talking about him not getting an extension. I mean, I know um, he, he's definitely questionable at times when it comes to big game decisions. Um, you know, you can look at how the team fell apart last year, you know, in recent years as well, and how he wasn't able to capitalize off of a Super Bowl whenever the killer bees were a thing here back in 2017. But at the end of the day, um, you're not going to find much better coaches in the NFL better than Mike Tomlin. And I think the Steelers are more than happy to have Tomlin services, at least for the next three years. Yeah, me too. I think at 49 years old, Mike Tomlin, if he goes through the end of his contract, I'm pretty sure the Steelers are at 50. I want to say it's 56 years at that point with three head coaches, which is wild. The Browns to just to compare the Cleveland Browns have had four head coaches in the last three years. Um, But that's the Cleveland Browns when it comes to the killer bees. And I'm glad that you touched on that because I think everybody brings that up that Mike Tomlin couldn't execute with the killer bees at the same time, the killer bees brought more drama than the Pittsburgh Steelers have seen in 20 years, probably since the Cordell Stewart days. And that's hard to win. You, It's hard to win Super Bowls when, yeah, you have all that talent, but you also have all that noise. That noise is slowly fading out. I think the Steelers are getting better. That's why guys like Ben Roethlisberger are coming back for one last run. Guys like Juju signed a basically nothing contract. Um, but there is some pressure. Mike Tomlin is not a guy who everybody's going to just sit back and say, okay, it's been 14 years. He hasn't lost a season yet. Let's just give him the throne and not worry about anything. Mike Tomlin needs to win another Super Bowl bet- between now and the time his time with the Steelers is over. Like I said, he's 49 years old. Nobody knows if, if his contract's going to go past three, these three years, but within the next three years, how much pressure is on Mike Tomlin? 
I feel like there's a lot, and I feel like it's part of the reason why a lot of people were not surprised, but definitely raised a couple eyebrows that Tomlin did sign a three-year extension. Granted, that Ben Roethlisberger is probably on his last legs this year, and there will be a transition of some sort with the quarterback position, um, at least by the time that Mike Tomlin's contract is over and done, um, at least the extension part of it. So um, a bit of a surprise, but whenever you talk about the pressure that's on Mike Tomlin, I mean, regardless of who's that quarterback and regardless of what the team looks like, you're coaching the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're talking about a city who strives for Super Bowl titles every single year. This organization is not the Cleveland Browns. They're, they're not going to raise a banner over a playoff win over a division team. That's the standard year in and year out. That's just business. That's how the Steelers operate. People win Lombardies in Pittsburgh, not playoff games. That separates teams like Pittsburgh and teams like Cleveland. So yeah, you know, every year, regardless of what the roster looks like, Mike Conlon for as good as a coach as he has been. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's led his team to two, you know, separate Super Bowls. That, that's a standard year in and year out. So the, the, I feel like the pressure is going to continue to be on Mike Com- Tomlin, excuse me, like it has been the, the past few years. Yeah, I agree. I think that Mike Tomlin, like I said before, needs to win a Super Bowl at some point between now and the end of his four years that he has left in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> and I don't know if it'll happen. You know, I think this season obviously brings the best opportunity for that to happen, but I'm not positive that it's going to happen. Um I, I don't know. I don't know what the level of pressure is because, yeah, there's a lot of pressure and I get that. But is the pressure coming from the fans or is the pressure coming from the organization? Because two Super Bowls in 14 years is pretty good. If you win one of them, that's pretty good. You got to look at, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens have one Super Bowl over that span and longer. You know, you have most teams outside of the Cleveland are the Cleveland Browns, not the Cleveland Browns. Most teams outside of the New England Patriots haven't gotten to a Super Bowl. Look at Aaron Rodgers. He's gotten a one against the Steelers. And people don't look at him and say that all this pressure is on him. But at the same time, he's been through three coaches. So I don't know. I don't know You know what the level of pressure is. I think Mike Tomlin's done enough in, in his NFL coaching career to just say Mike Tomlin is a successful coach. I think that he would like to win more Super Bowls. I think the team obviously needs to win more Super Bowls because, like you said, the standard is the standard. But if he doesn't get there, is is his coaching career looked at as a, you know, it could have been better or is it looked at still as probably one of the greatest head coaches the city of Pittsburgh has ever seen? I think it'd be a little bit of both, you know, to be honest. I, I think people will look back and, you know, see how great of a coach he was, but also realize that there were also some, you know, missed opportunities. Um, that being said, I, I don't think the general public realizes just how hard it is to coach a team to a Super Bowl. And that's why, I don't know, 99% of people haven't done it in their lifetime and won't do it in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the pressure only comes from outside of the, the organization. I mean, no, nobody wants to win a Super Bowl in Pittsburgh more than Mike Tomlin. I mean, Mike Tomlin is one of the most com- competitive guys whenever it comes to trying to reach that that ultimate goal. I mean, he's had one taste of it. He, he almost had a, you know, a second taste of it back in 2010. There's no doubting that Tomlin wants to get back to, you know, those ultimate winning ways. So I feel like the organization and him see eye to eye. It's it's just the outside. It's a lot of the fans that say Mike Tomlin isn't this or Mike Tomlin isn't that, you know. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And at the same time, I mean, Mike Tomlin in the last couple of years, and that's what everybody wants to bring up is the last couple of years. Well, if you look at it, he had the killer bees, which, you know, I get it. An amazing amount of talent. Also an amazing amount of noise. Too much noise to succeed as we all watched it fall apart. 
So you had that thrown at you. After that, Ben Roethlisberger goes down for a whole season. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. It's not going to happen. And then he comes back. He's got Ben Roethlisberger. I get it. You know, he, he was playing in his prime 11 and 0. I, I, everybody was loving what was happening. He had the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL, an aging offensive line that all needed to be replaced, and no running game whatsoever. So at the end, on top of that, he lost three or four defensive stars to ACL injuries. So it wasn't the easiest of seasons for Mike Tomlin. And the last couple of years haven't been the easiest of years for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's not like Mike Tomlin hasn't succeeded. He's led teams that were led by Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph to an 8-8 eight and eight record. That's impressive. That is super impressive. To start 11-0 with a quarterback who's coming off reconstructive surgery on his elbow, impressive. Especially when there's no run game whatsoever and you're working with Randy Feekner. The, so, you know, I get it. Mike Tomlin has his flaws, and I think that the biggest flaws are, you know, his relationships with his coaches and the fact that he can't ever move on from these guys. And the same with the players. He gets too too attached to people, I believe. But besides that, I don't think Mike Tomlin is a guy that you look at and go, he he hasn't done anything right or he hasn't done enough because, in my opinion, Mike Tomlin has taken disaster after disaster and pulled away and kept the Steelers in contention every single season when – Pretty much anybody else would have let this all fall apart. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about a team that, you know, kept Antonio Brown on the brink of not doing anything crazy. Yep. Antonio Brown leaves and all of a sudden he runs rampant in the NFL. And people were talking about giving Mike Tomlin the Nobel Peace Prize for his mm-hmm. work in keeping Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell for, you know, for that fact, kind of a locked down and strapped away. But no, I, I feel like. At the end of the day, even if Tomlin were to retire right now, I feel like he would have you know a very, very good coaching career and probably a good shot for the Hall of Fame. Which is my next question. Is Mike Tomlin right now, I 14 years into his head coaching career, is Mike Tomlin a Hall of Famer? If they're going to put Bill Cowher in uh, for winning one Super Bowl, going to two Super Bowls, and uh, what Mike Tomlin will probably have – um, you know, in, in regards to the amount of wins he's had in his career. Yeah. I feel like if we're going to use Bill Cowher as a measuring stick, Mike Tomlin absolutely deserves to be in the hall of fame. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, the standard, if, if we're just going to compare a standard, there's been two coaches in NFL history that have won 14 consecutive seasons to start off their head coaching career. That's the late Marty Schottenheimer and Mike Tomlin. Chances are Mike Tomlin's going to beat it in 2021. And from there on, that solidifies everything to me. You went 15 years in a row, 15 years in a row. I get it. At the beginning, everybody said, oh, this is Cowher's team. It's not Cowher's team anymore because you look at you look at everything. You look at if you're going to compare him to Bill. Mike Tomlin, everybody at first said couldn't draft. He couldn't build his own team. He was just kept using Bill Cowher's team. Well, TJ Watt is not Bill Cowher's team. Minka Fitzpatrick is not Bill Cowher's team. Juju Smith-Schuster is not Bill Cowher's team. What will be the entire offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers this season is not Bill Cowher's team, and along with a lot of the defense. So you look at all those pieces. Okay, he could draft. He's proven that he could draft, and he could dress, draft successfully. He won a Super Bowl, went to two, almost won two, because you know as much of it felt like a blowout, if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't throw interception on the last drive, the Steelers are probably put, sending this into overtime. And... On top of that, he's won seven AFC North titles. He keeps his team competitive through everything and anything, and he has handled some of the biggest nonsense Pittsburgh has seen in their lifetime. And he's he's handled it to where you don't even know what's happening, which in my opinion is enough. <laughs> and especially if 
people are going to put are going to talk about if Antonio Brown should be in the Hall of Fame. If Antonio Brown should be in the Hall of Fame, Mike Tomlin's in the Hall of Fame just because of what Mike Tomlin had to deal with to make Antonio Brown who he is today. Yeah, most definitely. And, and I think we have to remember as well that throughout the league, Mike Tomlin is one of the most highly respected coaches. And then there's, that's mm-hmm. not for no reason at all. I mean, the, the guy takes the craft very seriously. Like I alluded to earlier, he's one of the most competitive people in terms of wanting to bring a Lombardi back to Pittsburgh. I, I, I think he's done enough in his career to, at very, very minimum, warrant Hall of Fame conversation. And I, I still think his best days are ahead of him. I mean, he's not even 50 years old yet. So I, I still think there's a lot of tread left on the tires. So, I mean, by the time Tomlin is actually done coaching, he might have a, a legitimate case for the Hall of Fame. Oh, I think he'll have an easy case for the Hall of Fame. I think by the time Mike Tomlin's done coaching, at this point, I, I mean, I think it's a little disrespectful, but most people put Mike Tomlin like on the verge of the top five coaches in the NFL. By the time he retires, Mike Tomlin should be solidified as possibly one of the top 10 coaches of all time. If he if he wins another Super Bowl, if he wins two more Super Bowls in what could be, yeah. I mean, at 49 years old, uh, how old uh, Bill Belichick just turned 69. That's 20 more years. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to give up Mike Tomlin if Mike Tomlin's continuing to take teams to winning records. And Mike Tomlin doesn't want to go anywhere. So that could be another 20 seasons in Pittsburgh. You're probably going to win another Super Bowl or two in the next 20 seasons. And on top of that, everything else that you do, I have I have a hard time believing that Mike Tomlin's career doesn't end as one of the greatest, even if people don't want to somehow believe that he is one of the greatest, which is, I, I think we both agree, is a little bit of nonsense. Definitely. To turn the tables a little bit, Steven Nelson, former Steeler, had 10 to 15 teams calling him, interest out the wall. The Steelers didn't want him anymore, saved $8 million in cap space. It's been what two weeks, three weeks, a month. Yeah. Stephen Nelson hasn't <laughs> signed anywhere, and he joins Alejandro Villanueva as another guy who we're, we're going to talk about. But two big name Steelers or former Steelers who everyone fully expected to hit the the market running. It's now real slow. But we'll start with Stephen Nelson. Do you even expect Stephen Nelson to sign anytime soon? You know, uh, I I forgot who it was on Twitter. It was a prominent writer that said something about him. And um, Stephen Nelson had actually uh, quote tweeted him and said that he was just taking his time. He didn't want to settle for any offer that he feel like didn't was up to his par and his standards. Um, Whether or not 10 to 15 teams actually reached out to Stephen Nelson, I'm not quite sure. But I feel like if a offer that Nelson would have really liked would have came through, he would have already signed with the team already, which kind of tells me the market isn't exactly what Nelson would have thought it was going to be whenever he got released. Granted, I don't think he got released at, you know, a, a really good time for him. I feel like the best time for him to, you know, have been cut for salary cap reasons would have been before free agency hit, just so he had just a little bit more leeway whenever it came to negotiating a contract. But at the end of the day, he's free agent right now, and he hasn't signed a deal right now. Um, which is telling on, um, you know, he probably isn't up there in value uh, where teams think, you know, he aligns with. No, because you have to, I mean, you look at it like this, the the mock draft that we talked about on the last episode, there was six cornerbacks taken in the, in the first round. That's six teams who no longer need a cornerback. You also have a pretty stacked market heading into the off season. Guys went quick, big name guys went quick. Steven Nelson then gets released. There's really not many teams. When he said 10 to 15 teams and you said and everybody else said, oh, they agree with them. I really was sitting back going, I don't really think 
there's 10 to 15 teams. And I don't really think that he's sitting around taking his time waiting for the best offer. I think he wants eight to $9 million a year like he was going to get in Pittsburgh. And he is quickly realizing that he's not going to get that. He might get half of that. He might get $5 million if he's real lucky. But there's no team. I mean, Steven Nelson didn't have the Joe Hayden resume when he hit the market to go and sign a big splash contract. He doesn't have really anything to support him. He's got one strong season in Pittsburgh. He was the scapegoat in Kansas City for two seasons. And then last year, everything kind of just went downhill. I don't see Steven Nelson being a hot name for a while. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think Steven Nelson signs before maybe the summer. And at that point, I think he's just signing just to try to catch on with the team when I don't think that they they necessarily need him when they sign him. Definitely, yeah. Steven Nelson didn't perform exactly up to par in Kansas City. And whenever he did sign with the Steelers, that's what a lot of people um, kind of tried to hang their hat on is that Nelson wasn't a guy who thrived here. Um, sorry, there. Why would he thrive here in Pittsburgh? Um, mm-hmm. Had one good season, gets released, and all of a sudden, you know, Nelson is being talked about by people as, you know, one of the better cornerbacks available on the market. So, you know, trying, trying to make millions of dollars off of one really good season um, probably isn't going to get you very far. And that, that's not the slander of Steven Nelson at all. I mean, the year that he did play in 2019 was phenomenal, but you can definitely tell he took a step back in 2020. And teams notice that, you know, it's not like teams just, you know, look at name value of a player and try to sign him off that. So we'll see if Nelson actually lands anywhere before the summer. I think it might be after the draft. Um, you know, hopefully a team that didn't land the corner they wanted to will probably go and pick him up. But yeah, I, I think he's probably looking around five or six million dollars a year. On the same hand, Alejandro Villanueva set to possibly visit the Baltimore Ravens. Their GM wouldn't confirm or deny, which is a confirm. But he's headed to Baltimore. They they don't really want Orlando Brown to play left tackle. That was made pretty public. Ronnie Stanley probably isn't going to be ready for the 2021 season. It looks like a former Pittsburgh Steeler could be headed to Baltimore. Really not what anybody wants to see. I'm going to tell you first, I think it's a blessing in disguise for the Steelers. I think that the Steelers yeah. are still considering bringing Alejandro Villanueva back, which is a giant mistake. And if he goes to Baltimore, he's now their starting left tackle, which is not a good quality starting left tackle. And they avoid having to put him in the starting lineup and spend money on a guy that isn't worth the money. Blessing in disguise, in my opinion, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, 100%. And I think the best way uh, to settle this would be to call Alex Highsmith right now and be like, hey, man, do you want to eat two times a year? Because <laughs> yeah. this is your opportunity. I mean, um, you know, one of the worst pass blocking left tackles, sorry, one of the worst run blocking left tackles to go to a team that is heavy and predominantly focused around running the football. Sign me up. I think the Ravens should give him 15 to $20 million a year. I think that's how much he's worth. Obviously, he's a Pro Bowl left pro tackle. Bowl up for what he believes in give him the money absolutely 100 get Villanueva as far away from Pittsburgh as possible I don't care if it's in the Ravens uniform I don't care if it's in the Browns Bengals does not matter exactly get him if he stays in the AFC North everybody I think people jumped on it they jumped on it quick I I I put out an article you know on the news when it broke and people jumped on it heavy about how he's headed to Baltimore they weren't liking it I can tell you right now you should love that news you should hope uh, with everything in you that anybody who leaves the offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers this offseason stays in the division and starts because that's easy money. You have one of the best defensive lines in football. 
You yeah. have a young, a young second year guy in Alex Highsmith, and you're going to send him to Baltimore. Exactly what you said. At, Villanueva was the worst blocking or run blocker on the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line last season, and uh, maybe outside of Matt Filer, but. No. You're going to send him and try to protect Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins without without the rest of them. They did nothing to their wide receiver core. Baltimore is making a mistake. I don't know how bad they don't want Ronnie Stan or they don't want Orlando Brown, but apparently Orlando Brown has just pushed his way out heavy enough where they're just going to settle for scraps. I mean, probably, but I think scraps would probably be a uh, a good way to describe Alejandro Villanueva. I know a lot of people were upset whenever Mike Hilton went and signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. And granted, there are some people that would still be upset with Villanueva going to the Ravens. But like you already mentioned, I mean, he's, he was probably the worst blocker on the offensive line last year. I said time and time again, he gets pushed like a shopping cart. Not even the Aldi shopping cart where you have to put the, the quarter in to, you know, get the shopping cart out and, you know, put it back in the store. It's just it, it, an absolute win for the Steelers in every single wave of the wave of signs in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. At the, and, and when it comes to the Mike Hilton thing, and I'm glad you touched on that, Mike Hilton, he left, but Mike Hilton was a stealer. He he was breaded for, for yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers football. He made his way here. I get Villanueva came here and, and found his footing in the NFL in Pittsburgh, but Alejandro Villanueva was uh, most, if you were going to talk to most, like I would say second, third tier Steelers fans, they wouldn't be able to tell you who he was. Most people are going to know who Mike Hilton is. And I don't want to say that's a jab, but I just don't put them on the same level. I'm going to keep you real. Uh, Villanueva had one good year of blocking, went and stood out in the locker room. That's how people know him. That, that, that's, that's, why, that's why people have bought Salute to Service Steelers stuff, strictly because of him. And, you know, now I, I think I think either Banner or a core form would be an upgrade over Villanueva. Oh gosh, yeah. I think yeah, I would start either of them before they went and signed them, and that's why I want Baltimore to jump on this quick because I don't want the Steelers to be a team that's considering bringing him back. When we come back, I was in a mock draft the other night with around the four one two that did not turn out the way that many people wanted it to turn out. All that plus mine and Donnie's bold predictions as we inch closer to the NFL draft next on All Steelers Talk. A lot of us are looking for ways to start our day feeling more joy and appreciation. And while some of us write gratitude lists or do yoga, others pour themselves a bowl of their favorite cereal, Honey Nut Cheerios. Because not only are Honey Nut Cheerios delicious, they can help lower cholesterol as part of a heart-healthy diet. So maybe the secret to a great mood all day is a little yoga. Then writing your gratitude list over a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios. Learn more about a heart-healthy lifestyle at Cheerios.com. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. So we are about a week away from the NFL draft. By the time this goes out, it will be a week exactly, actually, from the NFL draft. And the other day, I jumped on Around the 412, our friends over at Around the 412 podcast, to do a live mock draft on, I think they use Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator. And it turned out pretty well, in my opinion. But a lot of people are going to be upset at the fact that we did not draft a running back until the fourth or fifth round. I'll run it off for you guys here. 
it, it started off with Sam Cosme at 24, went to Landon Dickerson at, at 55, the center out of Alabama. At 87, Notre Dame tight end Tommy Trimble. Then the Steelers went with a running back in Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech at 128. Went with an edge rusher in Dalen Hayes at 140. 216 went on the inside with an inside linebacker out of Ohio State, Justin Hilliard. Finished it off with Darren Hall, a cornerback at 245. And then at 253, USC to our USC wide receiver, Tyler Vons. I liked it. I, I felt good about it. The The biggest thing was Smitty and Tyler asked me before we started to make it realistic and to give as much insight as I could on what direction they would go with each pick. And I'll tell you right now, if the Steelers have the opportunity to pass on a running back and go with two linemen, two quality linemen in the first two picks, they will hands down. So are you calling Jerry Dulac a liar? Why did Jerry <laughs> Dulac say, what did I miss there? Uh, he said that the Steelers were very enticed to go running back in either round one or round two. And then NBC uh, Pro Football Talk ran that as a, uh, a special insider report, even though he just gave his opinion. Ran with they, it. See, look, at I'll, I'll say this. I think that I think that they are enticed. And I think that just like I told you last week, when the Steelers look at their draft board, they have all these players that are in certain positions. Running back is going to be one of those three positions in the first round. It's going to be center, tackle, and running back. If Najee Harris is the best player available at 24, if Travis Etienne is the best player available at 24, they will take one. And I'm I'm not – that doesn't concern me. When it happened with this and the way this went is both Etienne and Najee Harris were gone at 24. So at that point, yeah, Travis Etienne went to the Jets at 23, which Ooh. even if he was there, I don't know if I would go Travis Etienne over Sam Cosme. Sam Cosme, to me, was the best player on the board. He's a strong left tackle, a guy that's instantly going to come in and start for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is what they need. And then in the second round, Javante Williams was there, which, again, everybody loves. But the Steelers did not go to Javante Williams' pro day, which is a big red flag. I don't think that they really think that he's going to be there in the second round. If he is, maybe they'll take a chance on him. But to fill a center position with a guy who could come in and compete with B.J. Finney, over a running back, the, this is how I looked at it. I think this is the way the Steelers are going to look at it. If your options were to start Benny Snell Jr. and Anthony McFarland or BJ Finney, who are you starting? Probably Anthony McFarland. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody nobody wants BJ Finney and CJ Hassenauer or JC Hassenauer to be the guys. Nobody nobody wants that, including the Pittsburgh Steelers. So when they if they have an opportunity, they I think they would go center. It gets tricky because in the third round there really wasn't a good running back available. Um, there was I think it was Garnerwell out of Memphis. I can never Gainwell. say the guy Gainwell out of Memphis. I couldn't say his name last night. I can't say it again. Um, which is a good quality running back, but he sat out the 2020 season. And honestly, we're we're gonna get into it now. But Tommy Tremble in the third round as a tight end. I think fits more of a need than the Pittsburgh Steelers have at running back as crazy as that sounds. So first of all, I, I feel like you and probably everybody else who listens to the podcast knows that I am very, very pro offensive line in the first two rounds. Sign me up 10 times out of 10. Don't teach me the good time. I think if, if you build in the trenches, I think you can easily grab a running back later down the road that can just fill right in properly. I think the positional value is much greater for guys 
um, playing the off the tackle role in the first round as opposed to guys playing running back. I think the like we were talking about before we came back um, during break, tight end isn't really being talked about as a big need where it probably should be being talked about as a bigger need than people want to sell it for. I mean, Eric Ebron, uh, even if Ebron does stay healthy all 16 games, I mean, he struggled with drop problems. He's not the best blocker on the team. You are going to need another, you know, solidified second tight end. I think Tommy Tremble comes in and fills that very, very nicely. And also projects as a guy who could possibly start for the Steelers after Ebron will leave here, you know, within the next couple of years if Ebron exactly. does. And, and, you know, the, the, the Steelers, and I, I wrote a 2,000 word article on this a couple of days ago. The Steelers draft with, you know, the future in mind. They're not just adding players, um, you know, to, to, you know, make their offense you know, significantly better. They're not the Dallas Cowboys. They're not going to draft C.D. Lamb just to have C.D. Lamb on the roster. They, they're they're very peculiar on what they do and how they do it. There's a method to their madness. And, you know, everybody slandered the Steelers draft last year. You know, a lot of people didn't like what they were doing, and it turns out they knew exactly what they were doing, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I think should the Steelers grab a tight end within the first three rounds, I don't think people can be mad. You know, I think especially with how the tight ends are being used today, especially in Matt Cannon, the system, I feel like a tight end can be very, very beneficial for the team. Going back to the running back argument, though, I I still feel like they go running back round one or round two. You know, I I think at the absolute home run pick Najee Harris, if he's there at 24, he's the guy. I think if ETN is there at 24, I think he's the guy. And I definitely think if they go offensive line round one, if they're lucky enough to have Javante Williams slip to the second round, you know, where they're picking, I think he's a pick undoubtedly. I think, yeah, I, I, that that's where it gets tough is I don't think Javante Williams makes it to the second round. He did in the mock draft, but even, even then I just, if we're going to be realistic, the Steelers aren't, if the Steelers have an opportunity to draft somebody that they're fairly confident in, who they've spoken to, who they've seen in person, who they know is going to come in and be a starter, Landon Dickerson. And then they have the opportunity to, to draft Javante Williams, who in a lot of people's opinion is the best running back fit for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But they haven't seen him in person. They haven't talked to him a lot. They didn't go to his pro day. I just don't – I have a hard time believing that they're going to pull the trigger on a guy that they just have film on when the running back class is deep and they still have a giant need at center, even if B.J. Finney did get the contract. But the Steelers have some faith in Benny Snell Jr. and Anthony McFarland, and people just seem to overlook that, that these two guys get compliment after compliment from all of their coaches, Art Rooney, Kevin Colbert, they're young guys. Benny Snell's entering his third season, the first year that he really should break out. And Anthony McFarland's only coming into his second year after barely getting any playing time last year. James Conner's gone. So worst case scenario, they split it. And Jalen Samuels is still here. Whether or not we want to talk about that or even add that into the mix, the Steelers tend to like Jalen Samuels for some reason. I just think that there's there's a lot of very small potential at running back but enough options for the Steelers to feel better leaving that position go than a position like center or left tackle. Again, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, that's a different conversation. And I I feel like the Steelers are a team in the draft that will not leave things up to fate. I Mm -hmm. think, I think they, if, if there's a running back available to them, either Harris or Etienne at 24, um, you can either draft a running back right there. 
mm-hmm. and then go back and pick either a center or an offensive tackle in round two. Or you can take an offensive tackle or center there in the first round and hope a guy like Javante Williams is there in the second round. You know, I, I, I feel like the Steelers would be a lot more comfortable taking the, the surefire thing. And it, it feels like, at least from my perspective, it, it's going to go offensive line, running back the first two rounds. And then whatever order they, they see fit, it, it kind of it feels like that's what they're going to do. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure the Steelers are willing to play the waiting game and rolling the dice on a running back being there in the second round. But where I think things get really interesting is what happened in your guys' buck draft, where both ETN and Harris are off the board. And it's like, okay, well, you know, sure, now we can pick it off the lineman, but where does this leave the, the running back at? Because, you know, if you don't get Javante in the second round, now you're looking at kind of the, the mid-tier guys a lot of people want Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. We already have a Trey Sermon. His name is Benny Snell. They, they're yep. very similar players. Sermon's like three inches bigger. Uh, you know, Benny Snell's a little bit heavier. I think Sermon's just a tad bit more athletic, but at least my eyes are kind of the same mold of runner. The Steelers need a three-down guy who could, you know, be effective in both the, the, the pass and ground game. And I, I just don't think, as of right now, we've seen enough from Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland Jr., Jalen Samuels, Kalen Balazs to be confident in any of those guys. I forgot about Kalen Balaj. I keep forgetting about Kalen Balaj. Let me let, let me answer or let me let me add this. When I talked to an NFL scout, he told me that yeah yeah that Source. happens sometimes. Okay. I see um, what I what I was told is that there is a gap. There's a significant gap between Najee Harris, Travis Ctn, and the rest of the running back class, Javante Williams included. He said, but even after Javante Williams, the gap from there on is even more significant. So that's how I looked at it. I looked at it like this. The Steelers can get a first-round running back. If the for two first-round running backs are gone, chances are they're not going to get the second-round running back. At that point, you might as well wait it out because you're not going to get anybody who's going to come in and be an immediate starter, No, hands down, no competition. Anybody that you draft from there on out has to come in and compete for the job. Yeah, it stinks, and, and it's a lost cause, but I said this I said this as well. The, the Steelers have an opportunity to fix the run game without adding a running back all they have to do is find an offensive line because they had no offensive line last season you give Benny Snell Jr. and Anthony McFarland somebody to run behind in Matt Canada's and are yet something to run behind in Matt Canada's offense which will likely feature a lot of misdirection and jet sweeps some college stuff things that he brings from the college level on top of Ben Roethlisberger probably throwing the ball 40 times a game you don't need a superstar running back if if there's not one available. The Steelers can live or are, aren't going to live or die off of drafting a running back, and I think a lot of people believe that that's the case. Again, if you could add Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, you add them in the first round. That's a no-brainer because they're probably the best two top talents you know, of any position that you're going to get at that point. If they're gone, the Steelers realistically could push out this entire draft not draft a running back, and I'd be totally okay with it. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think I think if you're probably to ask the coaches, um, hey, you know, you're you're going to come away the first two rounds with a starting left tackle and a starting center, uh, you know, from the first two rounds of the draft. I think those guys are taking that ten times out of ten. You know, if if, yeah. if you don't walk away with a running back in the first two rounds. I don't think Tomlin's losing any sleep. I don't think Kevin Colbert's losing any sleep. I don't think Matt Canada is losing any sleep. 
No, definitely not. And it's not like they didn't add anybody. I mean, we we came back in the fourth round and added Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech, who isn't a guy that's going to come in here and start probably, but he's a guy that's going to come in here and contribute. He's a guy that has potential like Cam Akers had potential in L.A. last season. He's a guy like J.K. Dobbins, who was drafted in, in the third round. There, there's guys out there that you could find in the middle of the draft. I get that the running back draft is not as deep as it was last season, but there are guys out there that you could find who could come in and play a committee back. That's all the Steelers need. They could win that way as long as they have a left tackle and a center, which they don't have right now. And I think that's the move. I think that's the move. When it comes to the draft, sticking with the draft, yes, we had our mock, but I want to hear your opinion. The Steelers have three picks. In our mock draft, it went left tackle, offensive center, tight end. If you could pick the Steelers' first three picks, you have everybody available. Everything lines up perfectly. What is your perfect situation for the Steelers when it comes to rounds one through three? Is this me drafting or is is it what I think the Steelers will do? No, it's you drafting. If it could be absolutely perfect. Cool. Absolutely perfect. Round one. Um probably go left tackle um Cosme would be great if he's there so uh, I I do really like that pick um so I'll go Cosme round one come back in the second probably get a guy like Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson uh just for the sake of this I'll I'll go Creed Humphrey in round two even though he probably won't be there round three see that's where it gets a little bit tough um they can they can go anywhere, man. They can they can go secondary, they can go inside linebacker here, they can go tight end, they can go running back. <sighs> Javante Williams probably won't be on the board at that time. Um, you know, if if a guy like CJ Mosley is still there, I'm I'm all for taking a first round talent in, in, in the third round. Uh let him develop a little bit underneath Vince Williams and Robert Splane for a year or two before throwing him out there. I think he'd be a very, very nice complimentary piece to Devin Bush in in a modern NFL defense where you need two very, very athletic inside linebackers. So I feel like Mosley could provide that. And the only reason he slides and falls is due to the the uh, season ending injury he suffered last year. I could I could see that. I think that inside linebacker is tough because there's so many of them right now in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and that's and- that's one thing holding me back. And I know a lot of people are knocking, you know, Vince Williams, Robert Splane as being the same player and how they should still probably draft a guy who can go and cover tight ends and, you know, on, on occasion the uh, slot receiver. Um, Marcus Allen played pretty darn good last year in the role they asked him to. And I think he fills that role of of that, you know, athletic middle linebacker who can go in coverage if needed. Exactly. And I think that's where, that's where that gets interesting is, you know, inside linebacker would be great, but how much are they really going to play in year one? Because they're definitely going to be behind Spillane. So they'll at least be the fourth. They'll probably just play a bunch of special teams. And are you going to re-sign Marcus Allen to a one-year deal to see, you know, what he's got in his tank still at 24 years old? and then tell him he's on the practice squad. That just doesn't make sense to me. So that one's tough, but I do agree. I mean, that's a first-round talent, like you said, in the third round. That's a guy that you can steal at that point, and the Steelers would do something like that. I mean, they did it with Alex Highsmith. They did it with Chase Claypool. They do it all the time. My top three, my first three picks in a perfect world would probably start off with Najee Harris. I think I think if I think Najee Harris is the guy. You add Najee Harris and you're able to actually do something in the second and third round. The Pittsburgh Steelers have maybe the best offense in football. And that that's I mean, I get that's a long shot, but they have probably the best receiving core in the AFC. 
you, you had a confident Big Ben with an offensive line who could actually block on a running back, that's dangerous. All without Randy Feekner, that which is the biggest X factor. Round two, I would hope a guy, I would I would hope a guy like Alex Leatherwood falls to the second round. I know that's a little bit of a stretch, but there there should be guys there. I even think that Liam Meikenberg out of Notre Dame might be able to to slide to the second round, but he worries me because I think his ceiling is not as high as the rest of them. Um, I, I do think that he he is NFL ready, but I don't know. He worries me like Mike McGlinchey. I think Mike McGlinchey in San Francisco is a great right tackle when he first came into the NFL and then he just stayed as good as he was. And now he's a, a disaster. And that's where I see Lee Meikenberg, but a guy like him or Alex Leatherwood in the second round, you got to get, you got to get one of those two and, or, or not one of those two, but a left tackle. And then it, if it happened and it and went perfectly, I would say that in the third round, I'm going with Tommy Trimble. I since I've made that pick, I have fallen in love with that pick. I think I would rather have BJ Finney start and have a incredible backup tight end than have a guy like Landon Dickerson slide to the third and have Zach Gentry play. I get that that's a little, uh, you know, it's tough because BJ Finney, Zach Gentry, how much better, how much worse are you really getting? But it's a pretty significant gap because I don't want Gentry to ever touch the field ever on offense. And that's having a guy like Tommy Tremble. He could come in, he could catch the ball. He's a 6'4", 250 dude. Those are my top three picks. Beautiful. And, you know, not to discredit anything we just said, but I think we're wasting our time. You know, I feel like we we always think we know what the Steelers are going to do, and then they go move up for Justin Fields in the uh, top seven. So Hey, that would be huge. But all I'm saying is I did have Chase Claypool in my last two mock drafts last season. You did. And, you know, nobody nobody wants to act like anybody saw it coming. I saw it coming. Notre Dame, the Steelers, that's another thing when it comes to Tommy Tremble. The Steelers love their Notre Dame guys. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because, you know, Stefan Tewitt's there or now Chase Claypool's there or Mike Bursch in the PR office. I don't know who's who is the corporate or the culprit, but the Steelers love their Notre Dame guys. And I think if Tommy Tremble's there, Mike Tomlin will be on the phone with everybody in the locker room being like, hey, do you know this guy? Is he a good guy? And they'll draft him. We'll stick with the NFL draft and we'll finish it off with this. We're, me and you are, are going are gonna to group up with a bunch of guys from all Steelers soon and put out all our bold predictions, but I want to jump on it early. If the, if the Steelers come draft day, yeah, they go Najee Harris, whatever, blah, blah, blah. However, it all pans out. Like you just said, none of us know what's going to happen. The Steelers are as crazy of a wild card as they come. Yep. What is your bold prediction for the Pittsburgh Steelers? in the 2021 NFL draft? I'm not so sure how bold this is, so I'll, I'll group them together. Um, I don't think they take either a inside linebacker or cornerback or a tight end in the first three rounds. Um, I, I think they're entirely focused on building at other positions. Um, I will tell you, if Justin Fields falls to like pick seven or pick eight, at least if it's me, I'm I'm willing and dealing and getting up there, you know. To seven or eight. What do you have to give up to get up to seven or eight? What do you think you you would have to get up? Give up, and is it worth it? 
Well, luckily, I, I, I did write an article detailing exactly what the Steelers would have to give up to uh, move to, you know, a, a top 10 position from the 24th pick. Uh, so it, it'll be like this year's first, probably a first round pick next year. And then maybe like a, a third next year. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at Jimmy Johnson's infamous like, draft chart. But if you can get your potential future first round, you know, quarterback, and you know, for the price of what a first and a third round pick the following year, you absolutely do. I mean, we're forgetting that the Texans moved what thirteen spots to go get Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs moved like. 13 or 15 to go get Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this isn't a a scenario where, you know, this hasn't happened before. I mean, it's it's happened very recent, you know. uh, It hasn't happened to the Steelers, though. That's the thing. I think that's what makes it it more shocking. That would be a bold prediction because, you know, they they haven't really done that. The last time we saw them do anything remotely close to it was Devin Bush and, you know, them jumping from pick 20 to pick number 10 for an inside linebacker, um, which I'm not sure if they can pull that off again, but they certainly have the draft capital to do it. They do have the draft capital, and I think, and I think, um, I was asked the other day if the Steelers could wheel or deal one of their guys in the locker room for a third or fourth round pick. I think if you ended up doing something like that, you could easily trade Mason Rudolph for a third round pick, easily. And I think that James Washington is a guy that you could wheel and deal as well for a third round pick. And the Steelers love their third round picks, so they could come in here if they did that, and that happened, and they somehow ended up with Justin Fields. Yeah, you gave up a first. Yeah, you gave up a first next year, and you probably gave up a third this year. But get rid of Mason Rudolph because you already have four quarterbacks. Adding Justin Fields will be five. There's a third-round pick, so you get your third-round pick back, and then go trade somebody else and get a third-round pick. At that point, all you did was move from 24 to number eight, seven or eight. I think it would be nice. Do I think it would happen? I don't I don't think so. But me and no, you are also me. different on where Justin Fields lands. I think Justin Fields slides pretty deep into this NFL draft. Do you have any other bold predictions, or was that your only bold prediction? Dude, that, that, that's pretty much my only bold prediction, man. I, I feel like there's not a whole lot. My only other one would be that they package one of their later picks to move up a round or two, but that's not super bold. That's just them, you know, playing playing the numbers game and going up and moving in, inside of a you know background of a like fourth or fifth round and go and get somebody who probably won't play at all. So and that's mine. I, I don't have anything too bold. All right, so just, I mean, Justin Fields is pretty bold. So. I'll throw I'll throw two of them out here. I think one bold prediction, and I'm pretty confident on this one, to be honest. If the Steelers don't get a first round running back, I don't think the Steelers draft a running back until minimum fourth round. And I think that there is at least a 50% chance in this draft as a whole. I would say even more. I would say I would say there's a 60% chance that the Steelers don't draft a running back at all. In the NFL draft, I think somehow it it just slides out and they don't have the right option to add to an already crowded running back room. Number two, I think that the potential of James Washington being traded in the NFL draft is pretty high. Really? I don't I I'm not saying that I've heard anything or anything like that, but when it, it breaks it down, the Steelers love to move that extra piece for a third round pick. They do it all the time. James Washington is that extra piece. He's a guy who doesn't really have a role in this offense. It's his last year of his rookie contract. He's definitely not getting another one next season. The Steelers don't really need him on the roster. If the Steelers added a third-round pick and then went out and maybe got somebody, they could even use that third-round pick to draft another wide receiver. 
I think it just makes too much sense to look at James Washington as a piece that you can move because really he's just he's just a wasted contract if he sticks around. What's he going to do? Play the outside as a backup role to what will now be Chase Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson with Ray Ray and Juju on the inside. I just don't see I don't see a point. I will say this to the James Washington thing. Deion Kane would have been my guy to make that happen because at worst case scenario, they can move him up as, you know, a depth piece at, at outside wide receiver. Yeah. Deion Kane is now in Baltimore. So that makes it a lot more difficult because they don't really have a fallback option. If they could find one in the NFL draft, which that's what I think. I think if there's a guy sitting there in the third or fourth round and the Steelers really like him, I think James Washington could get dealt for a rookie. It just makes a lot of sense financially. And it, it gives you, it gives them at least three more years to work with a wide receiver instead of one where they'll have to pay him next offseason. And chances are he's going to be looking to go somewhere else. So those are my Dude, bold predictions. I did not expect a James Washington bold prediction, man. I don't, I, I mean, he, he's the only one that makes sense. I would say Mason Rudolph's out there as well, but I, I would feel more confident in Mason Rudolph next season than this season and I don't think that's how that plays out I think if Ben comes back for another year after this season then I think Mason Rudolph gets traded and during the NFL draft next year but if they had time with Dwayne Haskins I would say Mason Rudolph is the guy that gets dealt this offseason as well but I think that somebody does I think that the Steelers are going to add a pick I think they're comfortable with eight but my bold prediction is that the Steelers might not draft a running back might add a pick nobody's going to be happy about it but that's how we're looking at it. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to what is the last episode before draft week here in Pittsburgh. Me and Donnie are always excited to bring you all your Steelers coverage at allsteelers.com. Make sure to follow both of us on Twitter at Noah Strack, at Donnie Droon. You can subscribe to All Steelers Talk on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, and we will see you next Thursday. Oh, with some big news. We didn't announce next Thursday we will be doing a mock draft for all you guys letting you know what the Steelers will do and how it's all going to fold out, unfold a couple hours before the actual draft takes place. So look forward to that. Remember to subscribe to all of us and check, out, check us out at allsteelers.com, and we will see you next week. From earaches to strep tests, there's Miniclinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Miniclinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See miniclinic.com for details. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today.